0: I think the impact was that I shut down my emotions and I learned not to feel, and I had no idea.
1: David, how are you doing, my friend?
0: Wonderfully. Thank you, Karim. I'm having a really fun, energized, productive day. I love what I do, I I realize.
1: that's good. That's really good. What a what a perfect way to kick this off. Um, I mentioned this before the show and I I say it a lot on a lot of my podcasts. I try to do my best to not to get to know people too much before the recording begins because I think it's it's nice to see the organic um, connection that happens in these. They don't always happen, which is the best part. So sometimes when they, they do and they're really good, then it's exciting and people get to to learn a little bit more about kind of the nature of each other, each of us a little bit as far as getting to know each other. But um, yeah. I read a little bit about your website. I'm, I have a million questions, obviously. We're going to try to keep this as concise as possible. Um, but I did find your story interesting as it um, sounds like, and and you're welcome to flesh this out to the extent you feel appropriate, You made a big shift in your life one day, it seems like. I don't know if it was over the course of a day. I'm sure it took a lot of time to get to the point where you figured you wanted to make a big change, but you went from literally a corporate experience and a job where you were obviously making a fair bit of money and probably who knows whether you were enjoying yourself or not then, maybe you wouldn't have had the same thing to say as you did just now, to something completely different. What inspired that, David? What made you change? Well, I did enjoy it. I was having
0: a good time. I, uh... I kind of fell into actuarial studies because mm. I was really good at math, and mm-hmm. um, I got paid to go to college. They were they were providing scholarships because they needed more actuaries. And uh, and I found myself with this cushy job on Park Avenue. I, yeah. I had an office. I'm consulting to Ford and Sony and Exxon and Chanel at the age of 24. Wow. And yeah. you know things seem to be going well, but. I wasn't that happy and I didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. And I was having issues with my marriage. I actually had uh, a pain in my belly and I went to the doctor and he said, well, it's, I think it's stress. I said, no, it's not stress. It's a pain in my belly. And he was right. And someone suggested I do this personal growth program called the Landmark Forum. Mm -hmm. And I went along and I was like, I don't think I want to do this because they smiled way too much and they all wore name (laughs) tags. That's great. And I'm like, this is some some cult thing uh, for weak people who can't think for themselves. Mm -hmm. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, yeah, they are a bit culty, but I still Mm -hmm. decided that wasn't going to stop me from getting the value. And I said, I'll do one course and then I'm out. I'm not going to be one of these um, self-help junkies. (laughs) Well, famous last words. I did the first one and I got enough out of it that I decided to do the second one. And then I I got hooked on coaching because I couldn't help myself. If someone was blocked, I'd say, well, did you try what the teacher said yesterday? Or why don't you try this? I changed somebody's life overnight. Hmm. And I was like, wow, how, how do I get more of this? And it wasn't immediate all i all i knew was i wasn't quite happy where i was and i wanted to go back to australia mm-hmm. and i thought if i could do anything for six months because i always think when you change jobs you should take time off yeah and take advantage of that <clears throat> and so I thought, what would i do if i could do anything for six months and i thought i want to be a professional entertainer i wasn't a very good singer but I'd, I'd always admired those guys at the ski fields who'd put on a um a kilt and sing 500 miles by the proclaimers <laughs> or they'd put on yeah. an ABBA wig and sing SOS. And I thought, I want to do that. Yeah. So I did that. I moved back. I quit my job, moved back to Australia. I did that for a year and a half. And then, you know, I wasn't very good at it and I was slogging away for a year and a half. And then, uh, I met someone who was coaching professionally hmm. and he was in a course to learn how to be a coach. And I was like. I loved it back mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S. I was in Australia now, and I'm like, I want, I want in. How do I mm-hmm. do it? And I'd actually been carrying a business card for a year in my pocket that said, "Coach David Wood, Coach." Mm. I just hadn't done anything about it, and I said, "Why don't I hire you? As uh, I'll be a practice client for you." And, uh, you know, I'll pay you something per week and I'll learn from you how coaching works because I didn't feel like I can afford a, a coaching program at the time. And he said, okay. And the same, I think the same week or the week before, someone else had popped up in my field who mm. seemed like she could use some help. I said, why don't you be my practice client? And mm-hmm. so I was paying him $25 a week and paying uh, she was paying me $25 a week and that's how I <laughs> that's how I got started in the field of coaching. And then I then I found a coach training program and I went and got myself certified and the rest is history.
1: Wow. That's quite the story. Well, I love that there was such a quick identification of what made you um, exhilarated. Maybe you weren't sure it was going to be a lifelong pursuit, but obviously it made you happy and fulfilled. Um, On, on your website, I read something that um, uh, we have a lot of commonality on. Well, one, I didn't I didn't crash a paraglider that I have to hear about. That sounds like that was a pretty dramatic event. Certainly had a fair share of accidents and done stupid stuff as a child and teenager. And I have lower back issues because of all the craziness that I've done, but I did lose my sister at age seven as well. Wow. Um, So, yeah. So I read that and it struck me when I, when I read that because, um, I never really thought too much about it a while back about what it did as an impact on me. I never really considered the impact of it. Um, not because they didn't care. It just I was very young and I knew what it had as an impact on my family and my parents and how it estranged them to each other and a little bit to us as far as they were a little bit in zombie mode because of that happening. But it's only later, now in my, you know, mid to late forties, David, that I'm recognizing the impacts of that and, you know, all these massive grand revelations around time and the scarcity of it and things like that and we'll get to that here if we have time in this in this uh episode but i'm fascinated and part of the reason why i was keen to talk to you is because i too came from a corporate like experience i was a corporate spy um, i literally hunted intelligence down on behalf of my clients for many years for about 12 years and shifted hmm. that business into cybersecurity because i moved from being the guy getting the information to the guy protecting the information and uh I exited wow. a couple cybersecurity firms, and now I'm on a personal growth journey where it's stop working on the business, start working on me more. So I, I I'm fascinated. The more I think about that with myself, and as it relates back to what I was saying about my sister, the more I'm realizing there's a lot of people that have been on these journeys, and they're in various degrees of growth and transition and evolution, like yourself. And so I I was just when I read it, and then what you just told me, I was smiling because I'm like, yeah, I get it. I didn't do anything like what you did, but I certainly have had a very similar path and continue to be on it. And this podcast is an exploration and a dissection of that experience. That's what this is. And so I'll reflect on this podcast later in my life and listen to this episode for my own purposes. Hopefully others will enjoy it, but it's really for me. So thank Mm -hmm. you. I just wanted to share that because I thought you know it's a commonality that not that many people have happened to them. And I, I wonder how you... You put it in there for a reason on your website, because obviously it had an impact without question. And I'm curious on whether it had um, a similar, or frankly, just to keep it open-ended, what impact did it have? And when did it sort of change you, if anything?
0: Well, at the time, I wasn't aware of any impact. And mm-hmm. throughout my life, I wasn't aware of any, I didn't say, oh, this is how my sister dying affected me. I mean, the the actual event itself was 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 very exciting and mm-hmm. she was she was killed in a in a bus accident and I, I ran home and i i didn't realize she it didn't even occur to me that she was dead. I ran home and i shared the news and then they told me later she's gone up to heaven mm-hmm. and um uh, i cried once mm-hmm. just once i i just i locked myself in a room at the neighbor's house and and the neighbor um you know, the kids were trying to get into the room, and I wouldn't let them mm-hmm. in. And so finally, the father came and he and he forced the door open, and he saw me crying, and he said, "You go ahead. you mm. just you just have a little cry." And he kept the kids away from me. It was the only time I cried. Wow, I think the impact was that I shut down my emotions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. I learned not to feel. And I had no idea about this. I also um, I don't know often felt a bit quite lonely, mm-hmm. I think. And I, and I started reading a lot. I'd I'd read lots and lots and lots of books and it wasn't until age 23 or four when I'd broken up with my first serious girlfriend eight times and <laughs> found that I missed her and felt like I loved her and wanted to get back together. And I knew I couldn't, her family hated me. She, there's no yeah. way she would have taken me back. And so. I remember saying to my friend, I was traveling through the US, we're backpacking, and I said, I want to get back together with Leanne. And his face fell and he said, oh no. (laughs) And uh, so I went to a psychiatrist and I said, what the hell's going on? Do I love her? Do I not love her? Whatever. And when he found out my history, he said, well, this is my hypothesis, which maybe trust him because he didn't say this is what's going on. He said, my hypothesis is you haven't grieved properly Hmm. and you have what we call a complicated grief reaction. I think you do love her. I think you're actually very sensitive, which is why you're having issues now. And I think I can help you. Karim, that was one of the best moments of my entire life. Hmm. I was supposed to leave that and go and smoke weed with friends and go to a concert. I didn't smoke weed at all. I was like, no way am I messing with this feeling because he, he was saying, I can help you. You're not broken. Or or mm-hmm. if you are, I, I can help repair you. And there was possibility. And I ended up working with him. And, and by now, Leanne was dating somebody else. And uh, I didn't say anything straight away. But after a couple of months of working with him, I reached out to her and asked her if she'd be willing to come with me to a session so he could explain
1: mm-hmm.
0: what was what was happening. And she did. And I think a month later, which was hell for me, because I really wanted to get back with her and she's dating someone else. But a month later, she broke up with this other guy and um, I moved to the U.S. because I had this amazing job opportunity to be a consultant mm-hmm. on Park Avenue. And I said to her, I'm not going if it means that the, we're ending this. And she said, trust me, we'll find a way to work it out, go. And so I went, she ended up following me. She ended up proposing and uh, (laughs) and we got married. And while we're not together now, I still consider a very dear friend. And I like to say I'm happily divorced to a wonderful woman. And I recently went and stayed with her and her new husband and her six-year-old boy who calls me Uncle David. And (laughs) so I'm actually really proud of of myself in coming from someone who'd shut down everything to learning how to open up, how to love, and then stay with that love even after
1: divorce. Yeah, that's that's a good story. Well, it, it now it's a testament to your authenticity for the people you work with that you coach, right? Because I'm not trying to suggest others don't have authenticity or not very good at what they do, and I'm sure they have re- really great perspectives on things, but when you've gone through things yourself, you know per the the statement I made earlier, reading on your website about the paraglider accident, which sounds like it was pretty traumatic, um, where you you've faced you know mortality in, in in different ways yourself and with others. It does give you a sense of perspective that's very interesting. Um, you know, my um podcast, the name of it is the introverted iconoclast, mouthful, right? But it's interesting because I'm an introvert. However, I do something that requires quite an extroverted way of a persona that's an extrovert, right? And then I have to find ways to be a change maker without ruffling too many feathers because I don't like people being upset with me, right? So these dichotomies I constantly grapple with. And it's only now, you know, all these years later that, you know, married with kids with some success that I'm like, all right, I'm on a brand new journey now. And I got to start to get to know folks that are in similar places. Your stories, what you just shared, the couple of them that you just shared are exactly what I think are very interesting. And I get why you're so successful with others, especially if they're not open enough to share their own challenges. The fact that you seem to be quite an open book, do you think that's helped a lot with your business? Do you think that's given people a lot of comfort with being able to open up to you?
0: Well, it changes who I work with and who's drawn Mm -hmm. to me. I think, you know... I have a very unusual background in that I had this life of shutting down the emotions and the upside, perhaps, as I developed this amazing intellectual stream of energy, this capacity to um, make things happen in time and space. And I was good at academia and all that. So when it comes to business, I'm great at helping Mm -hmm. people. Chunk it down and focus and produce results. and i I just can't stop raving about branding and <laughs> and oh, this could go viral, and you know I have that <laughs> side. yeah, but because I've spent the last twenty years catching up with the emotional side, and I've gone and sat with gurus and done things that would freak most human beings out to discover what's the nature of being human and developed my emotional capacity to feel deeply. Mm -hmm. I'm able to also handle the life side. I just had a client, uh, CEO of a business making several million dollars. And in our first session, some tears came to his eyes and he he got emotional and then he clamped it down straight away Mm -hmm. and he could see it happen. I said, what just happened? And he said, I clamped it down. I said, yeah, what would it be like? what could be possible if you didn't do that with me and he just mm-hmm. didn't it hadn't even he'd hired me for for certain reasons mm-hmm. but it hadn't occurred to him that this was a part of him that wasn't really available to the world and he could let it come out with me so i i love that that you know whatever someone's going through no matter how to, how deep the emotion or the distress or even if they're suicidal mhm You know, I've helped people come back from the brink. I've dealt with anxiety and deep, deep depression in myself. So Mm -hmm. I have the street cred that I can go there. One friend of mine wouldn't talk to anyone else about uh, his plan to kill himself except for me. And he said it's because he knows that I've been there. And so I was able to really have a, I like to call it a come to Jesus meeting with him and Mm -hmm. say, look, I said, if you decide ultimately to do it, and I know you've explored every option, I'll help you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. no one had ever talked to him like that. And I said, but, but I'm going to ask that you call me first so I can make sure you're thinking straight because you, it may not be. And he's now incredibly happy. Uh, so I love that what I've been able to do for myself and I'm still a work in progress for sure, sure i get to bring to other people who haven't uh haven't been through all those steps yet
1: yeah that's really good um one of the lines there again on what makes you so different on your website um, focus.ceo website which is really great um i love this because i didn't i read this line right before we got on the podcast to record it and it was achieved more by focusing on less and uh you know i know tons of entrepreneurs as you do and a lot of startup folks especially in the tech industry and there's an immense amount of pressure on on anyone entrepreneurial but especially in that area where it's highly competitive and usually you have some sort of investment group and you know breathing down your neck to to produce and um a lot of things fall by the wayside whether it's health or family or other things and yeah it's extremely rare, rare to have someone come along similar to what you did with your friend where you gave it you gave it license to be spoken about to say eh, slow down i've been saying this a lot lately which is the the destination is the journey rather than trying to get to this when i get here i'll be happy crap which never happens um so i like that you say that and and maybe we can unpack that a bit so i mean i i know what it means for me but when you wrote that or when you when you con- concocted this narrative achieve more but we're focusing on less how do you guide people in that especially when they feel indentured to produce which is a big we part have a of disease. The, the, the business folks yeah
0: we're, most of us are suffering from a disease where we're we're just on a on a treadmill there's something mm-hmm. in us and particularly the people who come to me they're they're high performers so mm-hmm. there's something in that's in them that's driving them that's great we want to honor that and nurture that and let it flourish. But often what happens is we end up, we're, we're busy, not productive. Mm-hmm. And we're scattered like crazy. The human mind is like a monkey on crack. <laughs> and so even among high performers, it's jumping from this to that. And Facebook's coming in and then, oh, I got these text messages. Now I got to listen to this voicemail and then there's email. And then, you know, I got a list. I got a list up here on my wall for acting administration because I'm an actor now in Hollywood. Um I need I have another list for self-care. There's another list for Mouse in the Room, my new book. It's mm-hmm. just so much. And I interviewed Charlie Engel today, who well, among other claims to fame, he ran 222 marathons in 111 days. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. And he did it across the entire Saharan desert.
1: Oh right? my God.
0: And, That's and amazing. Charlie, Charlie said, What would it be like if on a given day you focused on one thing? Can you imagine that? If you yeah. could do that one thing, imagine how good you could be at it and how productive you could be. Now I know that's not always practical, but what I help my clients do firstly is realize what are their values, what matters and what's not getting the attention it needs. Mm
1: -hmm. Often
0: it's self cares out of balance might be some family stuff. It might be, um, some projects in the business, the marketing isn't getting the attention it deserves, or they haven't been working on systems. You know, Mm -hmm. so we look at like what really matters. And then sometimes, it's not possible to do it all. And so resistance comes up. The, oh, but I want to do it all. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you try and do everything. You're going to do everything uh, at a mediocre level. Right. So I, I have have it now. I have a very rich, full life, and I have many lovers. And by lovers, I mean one is my book. And I'm committed mm-hmm. to getting Mouse in the room out to the world so that they can discover what's happening for themselves and find ways to share that with everybody who matters. Mm -hmm. So that's, I'm unwilling to drop that. I've moved to Los Angeles for acting, so I'm unwilling to drop that. I don't know how long I'll be in, in Hollywood. So that's a priority. And then recently I realized self care was dropped. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I had this, uh, I did a medicine journey and realized, if there was only one game I could play before I die, it would be the game of self-care. Hmm. And that was huge. And yeah. so now that's important. Now, so, and some other things have to get dropped. Okay, I'm gonna drop this, drop this, drop that. And I, there's often resistance and, and people need to get good with. I, what I do, I've got this exercise where I have them make a deal between that part of them that's driving them so hard and the part that wants other things for them. Yeah. And I have them talk it out between them, uh, between those parts and come up with a deal so that now they're in integrity and they're aligned instead of constantly being in conflict. That's that's some of what comes up for me when you when you say achieve more by focusing on less. And then there are lots of things we can do around productivity to actually have them focus in yeah. a given day instead of getting all scattered it's life-changing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious on, on something. Do you find that folks that are highly, you know, we'll call it driven, as you said, or, or, you know, extremely high-performing, um, how much of it is, and I know everyone's different, but just on on an, on an average thing, I'm purely coming from people I know and, and myself, how much of it is imposed upon them by others, the expectations and the validation requirements of others versus really what they need for themselves. Because back to, back to this idea around self-care, if we were honest with ourselves, most of the time, I think we would realize that the most important thing really is your own well-being and the disappointment of others has, has to be part of the equation in many cases. Like you're, in your situation, you'd probably like to pursue all those things, but some of them have to be put by on the sidelines until you can get to them. How many people well, I'll give don't realize you. that? Yeah. I'll give you my, um, a few
0: things loaded up as you say. I think the question is like, what, what is really driving people yeah. so hard? And I know for me, it was, uh, I wanted to prove myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be good. I think I got this idea early on in life that if I was good at something, then people would like me more. Mm. Interesting. So I, I always wanted to be good or seen as being good. And maybe that's what helped me come top of my school. Um, maybe that's what had me want to be an actuary because there was prestige. If people knew what it was uh, and they know what's involved to qualify, they're very impressed. I had one, one woman at Landmark Education. She's When she found out I was an actuary, uh, I'm sitting in class with everyone else and she goes, oh, that is a big deal. And I made some flippant comment and she said, don't do that. I <laughs> yeah. know what it takes. I know what's involved to qualify. Don't do that. That's a huge thing. So, and yeah. I, I love that. So I'm always, um, I think we want to look good. We want people to like us. And so there's a, you know, let's succeed. You know, yeah. not start a business saying, oh, I want to start a business that fails. No, you want to be a hero. <laughs> Aside from that, I think there's a biological drive to put food on the table, you know, Mm -hmm. to survive. I hate running out of money. Mm -hmm. And in the back of my mind, there's always been, what if I just ran out of money and I was homeless? It seems like a silly fear, but it scares me. And so I think there's, and then there's, you know, my dad used to, you know, consider me lazy because I wouldn't get up at 5am and start work in the yard. I didn't (laughs) want to do it. I wanted to sleep until 10.
1: I think we shared the same dad. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, possibly. So all these drivers are like, you just got to keep going and you've got to do it. I find it hard to take a break sometimes because I'm on a roll and I've got this massive list and I like all these games and I don't want to miss out. And so, it's a learned skill to say, what am I going to drop this year? Yeah. What am I going to drop in the next three months? What Mm -hmm. will I postpone or drop this week so that I can have some peace, some sense of peace and a sense of actually being productive and achieving what I want to hit. And that's very hard because the monkey mind says, no, I Mm -hmm. want to do all of it. And that's the game. That's the dance. How do we do triage and come back to focus? That's why I called my website focus.ceo. Out of all the other things I wanted to call it, being able to focus on what matters is life-changing. And so I think it's a boring name. It's a boring title for a website. Yet the word focus, it's life-changing.
1: No doubt about it. No, it's it's brilliant. It's very very accurate. So tell me a little bit about the the acting now. That's interesting. Um, what? Now I know you you said in your past you got you know you're motivated and compelled to do something that was entertainment oriented. Is this a continuation of that, or is it is it a new a new kind of pursuit for David to explore another part of yourself?
0: It's both. It's both hmm. of those. I have always been drawn towards performance. Maybe. Initially, or maybe still, because it scared me. Mm-hmm. I I I uh, apparently am counterphobic, meaning if I'm scared of something, I will lean into it. I want to conquer mm. it, and because I always know when I shied away from something I was scared of, I didn't scared of. I didn't feel good about myself. I felt small and and weak. So I'm scared of heights. So I paraglide. I'm scared of people. So I I speak on stage. And I've always been drawn towards that. So I've done motivational speaking and spoken to audiences of over a thousand people. I uh, did improv because I always thought it was incredible that someone could get up on stage with nothing Mm -hmm. and make it up in the moment. And I'm like, I want to do that. So I've Mm -hmm. done that professionally. Uh, Stand up comedy look terrifying. So I went and got a course and and did this course and then did 20 stand stand-up gigs to try and master it and conquer the fear. There's something. oh, and guitar, the guitar and Mm -hmm. and singing that was, that was hugely scary. So I always keep being drawn to entertainment. I just, I just, and performance, I just hadn't done acting. I think Mm -hmm. every now and then I'd be like, let's get into it. I did one class and then got busy or yeah. I'd get head, headshots done and I'd, I'd get an extra job on Mission Impossible 2,
1: which is <laughs> exciting,
0: and then I'd get busy with other stuff. Or I'd audition for a play, they cast me as the lead, and then I had this opportunity to move to America to be a consultant, and so I had to say no to right. that. So it never, ever happened. I did maybe four short films in 20 years. And then in the back of my mind, I'd always thought, one day before I die, I'd like to actually get trained as an actor, maybe move to Los Angeles and get fully trained and get an agent and get the headshots and just go to auditions for a year, maybe Mm -hmm. two and see what happens. And another big motivator was I, I always want to get access to my emotions. I want to feel more, you know, what would it be like to be able to cry on stage? Um, so as a personal growth journey, it really calls to me and I like efficiency. So Mm -hmm. if I can have fun and, uh, see what it's like to live the life of an actor, which always seems so exotic. And at the same time, I can get access to different parts of myself. That sounds like a win. It's just for 10 years. I didn't tell anybody (laughs) about it because I didn't know if I was going to do it and I didn't want to seem silly. So I just kept it to myself one day, one day, one day. And then last year, uh, I I only got a year lease on the house that I wanted. And I was like, nah, I can't do that. And then I thought, wait a minute, you're single right now, David. You're not tied to anything here in Boulder, Colorado, or there now it's there in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, maybe it's perfect that you've got a one-year lease. When this lease is up, how about you move to LA and actually do this? Mm -hmm. And I told somebody about it and she said, I did that. And so we got talking and then a week later she called me and said, I'm going to audition for a play, Dracula. Do you want to come with me? We'll audition together. And part of me was, are you crazy? I haven't even taken a class yet. Right. And another, another part of me said, well, this is the universe knocking. This is the sound it makes. Yeah. So let's go and do it. So man, did I prep for that? I think I was more prepared than anybody else who showed up for that audition. I went and hired a coach to help me, you know, work out what to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I I prepared for four different roles in the play and I read for all four of them. I learned a German accent through Google and YouTube. And, uh, and I memorized the lines because they told me which scenes we'd read for. So I memorized them. And I went and I read for four parts and I thought, I had a chance of getting a couple of the minor ones. Well, I got an email that said, hey, I'm sorry. And I was like, damn it. I'm sorry it took so long to get back to you. We'd like to (laughs) offer you the lead. I wanna offer you the lead. We'd like you to play Dracula. And this was a paid production. Some of those people that were in that play had been acting for years and had never done a production wow. where they were actually paid. So apparently it was a it was a big deal, yeah. and I, I put in about 150 to 200 hours into performing Dracula uh, in this play. So that's how <laughs> that's how I got started. And this was I was going to wait till I got to LA to get started, but yeah. it happened. It happened in Boulder, and then I got a couple of commercials. I uh, I got a few short films. I actually got paid to do a couple wow. of these short films, which apparently is kind of unusual when it's a student production. Mm-hmm. Um, and now here I am in West yeah. Hollywood, and I've got acting class tonight, and uh, I'm going to be performing because this acting class is is wild. It's a scene study class, so there are no exercises. Oh, There's wow. no... There's no training like, okay, try this exercise. You mm-hmm. go and prepare a scene for the class. You perform it in a professional theater. So, mm. you know, curtain opens, you got stage managers helping you. I'm doing a 20-minute scene uh, this uh, this Wednesday and then the teacher critiques it and that's how you learn. Wow. And I'm doing it, man. I got headshots. Um, <laughs> I'm auditioning, exhilarating, David. Yeah. submitting myself to 150 roles a week. Uh, and I was just on a, uh, game show with Jay Leno last week filming for you bet your life and it's all happening, bro.
1: That's amazing, man. That's a good story. I got to tell you, there's a, I'll show my age with this one, but do you, you, and you'll remember this, he's a fellow Aussie, um, George Lazenby, one of the bond, the bond for one, one, uh, I think on her majesty secret service movie and there's a documentary on on the making of the James Bond franchise and you have to see it if you haven't seen it it's called Everything or Nothing and it's about the two you know producers that got the book from Ian Fleming and and got the rights rather to to make the movies and they get to the George Lazenby story of how he never acted before and he got the role cuz he basically got a suit made by the same suit maker for Sean Connery and bought a Rolex and come just go to the same barber and i'm I'm butchering the story because he does a really good job of explaining it and he bursts through the door and auditions punches some guy out in real life because he thought that's exactly what bond would do and they're like what are you doing he's like i'm just doing my role and they're like all right you're great at this you're really good he was just a natural he was someone that naturally had and he just wanted it so badly he was more um and he you know when you look at the character all the actors you know certainly we've now sean connery's past but he's a happy guy. He's so happy. You see him on the, on the documentary and he's just like, I had a hell of a time. There's so much fun. This is crazy. You know, I can't believe I got it. He's still reveling in the fact that he got the role just to play bond yeah. in one movie. And he was a good one. And,
0: uh, that's an yeah, awesome it's a story. Fun story.
1: Yeah. 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 Apparently the,
0: the I, I, as with so many things, apparently a lot of it is attitude. Yeah. If you're someone who's fun to be around, um, mm-hmm. and you're bringing a certain energy, they're like, you know, do I want to spend two months with this person, or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. or, or six, six months? What What's it going to do to the energy on set? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, my people. Some people think oh, mindset, you know, isn't that important. I'm not going to invest in it, but by God, it seems to be everything. My attitude. Oh, yeah. My attitude is, and sometimes I struggle with attitude for sure. If I'm in depression or anxiety whatever, it's hard to to bring it but i think the attitude is what's given me so much in
1: life it it would seem so and what i love about the story you know and where we've landed on this where you are now out of curiosity i have to ask is to say are you letting it be what it is and you'll see where it goes or do you have a very specific timeline where you're like i'm going to do this and then i'll shift either back to something or then who knows where it'll take you do you have a plan for the future david
0: well let me pull this off the wall So, yeah, I've got a, I've got a plan for the, for the book. I've got a big plan for self-care and, um, and I've got an acting plan actually Mm -hmm. while I was waiting to to film with Jay Leno, I spent Mm -hmm. nine hours in a holding room with no electronics. (laughs) Because They they sequester you. And, um, so I got to really read my acting book and about administration and I, I created my plan. So, uh, New clothes mm-hmm. so that, you know, I look fashionable and look better. Um, headshots. Upload mm-hmm. the headshots to three sites, which I can cross off. Um, well, there's a secret strategy that I'm not going to mention because I don't want anyone yeah, else to copy bring that it. One out. Yeah. Join an admin group uh, mm-hmm. of, of other actors so that we're holding each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Create a showreel. Now what I thought you're supposed to do is do short films and whatever and commercials and then build your showreel from that. It takes so long, it's so much work and often the footage you get back is crappy quality. So apparently what you can do is hire someone, take some of the scenes that I've been working in an acting class and we'll spend a day and he'll film it and Mm. edit it and make sure it's good quality and we get all the good stuff. Genius. Yeah, that's clever. Yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that. Oh, I'm going to pitch 100 to 300 managers. And I was just lying down in my meditation and the letter, the pitch letter came to me. I think it was going to start by, I'm a very unusual actor. I'm I'm exceptional for someone who started 12 months ago. And then I'll, I'll mention, you know, that I'm bringing 20 years of performance and I'm absolutely committed And, uh, oh no, the first line is going to be, this is a blatant pitch for you to consider representing me. Get to the point. There you
1: go. That'll be the
0: first line. And so, uh, I also had a, another idea to build relationships with managers and agents in the industry. And Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I was hesitant to share it, but you know, people are totally welcome to copy it. Um, invite them to my podcast and interview them about what's working in the industry and build relationships that way. I, I got a mm-hmm. podcast anyway, I might as well interview successful managers and agents. And then, um, you know, I'll probably ask them, what advice would you have to find the right person to represent me, right? Yeah. So there, yeah. there's my plan. So no, I'm not gonna just let it be because I may only have a year here in LA. It might be five years or 10, I don't know. But right. what if it's just a year, I need to make it count
1: yes exactly right that's brilliant well that's really cool thank you for sharing um i'm i'm intrigued by this because i want to i'm going to be following along as you uh as you keep pursuing this because um based on you know my background and being in the intelligence community and knowing all kinds of folks in that particular world which um doesn't get much light shown on it many times you get a lot of you know you get the hollywood version of it but then you don't get the real the real stuff sometimes and the real stuff sometimes has even more interesting bits and pieces than even the movies can can give it so um i certainly have had a fair share of getting to know some folks so i'll be i'll be tracking you on this and (laughs) i'll i'll be listening to your podcast are you going to be sharing anywhere specifically outwardly where we can expect to see you in, in roles and anything like that david anything that we can um Count on
0: yeah, yeah. I, I I'll be posting. I imagine on on sure. Facebook when it's allowed. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes yeah, of you, you can't say what it is. Like for example, the game show with Jay Leno. I can't I can't right. disclose the outcome to anybody uh, sure. until the show's aired. Um, but yeah, for sure, I'll be very yeah. very public about it. Right now, my phone. Fo- I just moved here uh, in May. And okay. and we're in July, so it's yeah. been a lot of tr- lot of transition and getting myself in this acting class. And now I'm turning my uh, attention to the administration side and the business side. And yeah. I know how to crank it. I know when when I'm motivated. I know how to make things happen in time and space. I'll probably uh, do some strategies that no one's ever thought of because I'm new to this. And I'll be like, sure, oh, what if I you try think that? outside the box.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's great. Do you um, happen to know? I interviewed him um, uh, literally about a week and a half ago. Steve Sims. Does he? Does that ring a bell? He's oh, I have well. interviewed Steve. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> he's funny, uh, and just just great energy too. Just like you said. I think I think what's interesting, and I never would have thought this until you said it, your experience. You know, in in some capacity, similar to someone like a Steve and mm-hmm. others that are inspirational to others and others, like you said, are are gravitate towards you because of the energy that you exude and exhibit. What I find really interesting is you're tailor made for the screen for that. I mean when 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 casting directors and um agents get get a load of you, it'll be very interesting because you're not someone that just went to go act. You um you've been digging deep into that method, uh, I'll call it method acting, but you're not acting, (laughs) you know, uh, method, method purpose in your, in your own existence that you can probably conjure it at a moment's notice, which is going to make you one hell of an actor. So that's really interesting.
0: You you know, and that that was a surprise to me. Um, I, you know, for the last year I've been like, can I act, am I Mm. any good? And even though people are telling me, yeah, this is great. I'm like, I, but I don't know, am I any good? And then I'll go to a commercial and I'll just nail the lines, really difficult mm-hmm. dialogue. And there's another actor there who's just blowing it. And we had to reshoot the whole thing with a new actor and it had me realize, oh, wait yeah. a minute, I, I know how to perform. I know how to deliver to a camera and to an audience. Right. Um, the other day I did three scenes in one night. And these scenes sometimes you're meeting for four different rehearsals to get it all set up. And, and, um, I can do that. I'm, I'm good with, with memory and memorization and accents. So I did four different accents in one night, three different scenes. One of them was twice as long as, as anybody else does. And it's had me realize plus the support of my wonderful teachers telling me, uh, you know one one of my teachers said you're astonishing and i was mm. like ah oh. so there's part of me that's now relaxing and going okay sure there's so much for me to learn and mm-hmm. and uh, you know i'm nothing compared to the people who've been at it for years and years but well, i can yeah. deliver i can do a paid yeah. professional project show up and do some things that most actors can't do and that's that's given me some confidence and i'm like you know what I don't have as much to prove anymore. I know that I can deliver. And I want everybody listening to get to that point with whatever they're doing, whether Mm -hmm. it's starting a new business or maybe you're becoming a coach, or maybe you're starting singing. I want you to get to that point very quickly where you realize I really do have something here, Mm -hmm. sure I can get better, but look what I've got already.
1: Well, I, I love where you're going with it because it's an, it's an excel well, not even accelerated. It's not even, it's not a velocity thing. It's more of a intensity of putting, putting yourself out of your comfort zone, right? We all done it. Any one of us that have been entrepreneurial and have had, whether it is success or failure, any which way it goes, you have put yourself in a, in a place of discomfort to get an exhilaration out of that. And, and, um, I commend you. Yeah. That's really fantastic, David. I'm, Thank I can't you. wait That's to see hot. what you're in. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. That part is not easy. No, it's all. You right. know, I, and I often don't think about that, but I, you know, we haven't talked about the darker side. And I, I realize I have to go mm-hmm. in a couple of minutes. But yeah. this, these last two months have been sometimes hell for yeah. me because I, I, I was living in the country with quiet and I get triggered by sound. I have been mm-hmm. doors slamming. Now I live in an apartment building. There are five doors right outside of mine. Constant. And then, And then I've got the stress of performing and my first scene was an epic scene that I took on and what if I blow it? So I'm I'm often a bit nervous and uh, it's not always easy to live like that. But I think I'm finding a sweet spot now where there's a bit of uh, nervousness and there's also excitement and I'm Mm -hmm. really enjoying it. And so that again is the trick. Can you find that sweet spot where you're not stagnant and you're not overdoing it so it's mm-hmm. too much but there's growth happening all the time
1: and you're subtly enjoying it even though it's painfully terrifying sometimes because it's the aftermath sometimes, of endorphins yeah. and the dopamine's yeah yeah I hear you
0: oh yeah walking out yeah. on on set with oh, Jay yeah. Leno and like knowing that this was going <laughs> to be imagine. televised nationally and what yep. if I blow it um, yep. yeah that that's terrifying but with with practice It gets easier and easier, and then you take on bigger things that are still going to scare you a bit.
1: Very, very well said. Well, David, we could have gone on for hours. This is great, and a lot of tangents that I think we can pick up on. So I'll count this a part one, hopefully, of of, uh, maybe a part two or so when we get some time. But thank you again for making the time today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Um, As I mentioned at the beginning of this, I always get excited when these conversations kind of take all these different spiraling paths. And what you said, I was – mystified and and, and intrigued by. So I'm going to be watching you from afar. And when I get to LA, I I owe you a visit. So we'll have to stay in touch and to get together, grab a cup of coffee or something, you know, when I'm, when I'm uh, West coast.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. And can I give a plug for the book and coaching? Please do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Go to mouseintheroom.com. This new book with forward by Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup. Uh, I spent two years on this. And it's wonderful if you're a parent, uh, a partner, a friend, or a leader. It's written for those those categories and there's a chapter for each. And uh, it's called Mouse in the Room because the elephant is not alone. So grab yourself a mm-hmm. copy of the book. And if you're interested in coaching with me, again, you can go to mouseintheroom.com and click on coaching and apply for a session. I work with mainly with business owners who are already up and running and successful and they want to double their business and their happiness that's that's the sweet spot for me apply for a session i don't charge for that first session because it's how i find the right people to work with long term mm-hmm. mouseintheroom.com
1: mouseintheroom.com well it's a book i'm going to be getting that sounds fascinating so well congratulations on everything david you've done an amazing job and uh, again like i said i'm going to be watching from afar. And uh, I'm keen to see what's next and the evolution of this new path you're on because it's that journey that I think is most intriguing because I'm on one myself. So seeing others kind of embark on these newer, more terrifying experiences is extremely um, inspiring. So thank you for sharing. My pleasure. Great to meet you. Same here. We'll talk soon. Take care.